Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Um, this young lady, she's doing so many great things for the Baltimore community. And, you know, I had to get her on. Many people told me, you have to get her on. She has so much knowledge and just inspirational. And she has so many great things that I can't even give so many adjectives that this is amazing. Without further ado, Miss Kim, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Doing as well as we all can. I agree. I agree. And um, again, I appreciate you stepping into the podcast, uh, the local <coughs> Baltimore podcast. And, you know, I really focus on community right now. And before we get into everything, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Ms. Kim. So I am a very happy and grateful homeowner in Lauraville, where I bought my house as a single mom in 1998, moving up from um, Charles Village area and, um, you know, raised my two daughters there. Uh, married to a great husband there. Um, and then I also work for Picktown Main Street. So I feel like I get to spend overwhelming majority of my time in the two best areas in Baltimore. Are you originally from Baltimore? No, I'm from a very small town of 15,000 outside Buffalo in Western New York. Gotcha, and gotcha. We have, we have, something, in co- we have something in common. Really? Yeah. You probably didn't know that. Oh, well, I see your Syracuse shirt. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Or you went to school there? I went to college at Syracuse University, yeah. So I know Western yeah. New York. I knew, well, I know Western New York very well. So you know Beef on Wicks and all the great food and stuff we have there. Oh, yeah. There's Buffalo Wings. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, I don't know if you ever <laughs> went to a place called Anchor Bar. It's in, it was in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. I worked there. Wow. I worked the original Anchor Bar, so I actually know their wing recipe. And if you pay me enough money, I'll tell you. But <laughs> Nice. So you were from New York, upstate New York, uh, Western New York, and then you moved down to Maryland. What made you want to move to Baltimore? I mean, just out of all the cities in America, why would you want to come here? <laughs> well, kind of a crazy story. So... I was 20 years old. I was going to a local community college. I started to work for NARAL and Greenpeace. And I, Western New York, as you know, probably Aaron is a very conservative area. Um, So I was kind of an anomaly there, I guess. A friend of mine moved down to Maryland and she sent me a copy of this Baltimore City paper. And I just looked at it and saw all the activist jobs and such and said, well, this is for me. So I took my um, my income tax refund of $732, threw it into my 1984 Honda Civic and drove to Baltimore. And it was the biggest city I'd ever been to in my life. And I'd never looked back. That's great. That, that's a great yeah. story. I like hearing that. I really do. And when you got here, you so you so I guess you were very outspoken. What made you get into like the public manner as like just talking with people and just fighting for people's rights and things of that nature? It just seems like you are an advocate. Um, you know, I grew up in a very close-knit family, a background of farmers and such, but I was raised by my single mom actually in a trailer park. We were very poor. Um, she worked, but you know, we had food stamps, all that kind of stuff. 
And it, and, uh, you know, I was like the kid in high school that although I got great grades, you know, the guidance counselors would look at me as one of the poor kids and never even like consider me, although I was on a college track academically, never really supported me to get into universities and things like that. So I kind of came from that where your economic status really can decide your future. And so I think that just, and I think my grandma just gave me this fighting spirit. Um, but when I moved to Baltimore, I immediately got a job with Maryland Citizen Action in uh, organizing and then just became a community organizer. Got a lot, I was really lucky to get a lot of great training and have a lot of great mentors. You know, this was the uh, 90s when everybody was pissed off after Reagan and Clinton was in office and there was urban federal money available to do some really fun and cool projects with, or so we thought at the time at least. And so it just, it just all felt right. It's just kind of like who I am, I guess. It's, it's really hard to explain. <laughs> no, no, that's great. That gives everybody a little quick background and where you have to find that passion and whatnot. So you said your first job was, what was it again? Your first job in Maryland? I was a community organizer for Maryland Citizen Action, okay. going door to door, but then a community organizer, get out the vote, things like that. And because I was so young and had so much energy at the time, um, I also ran a homeless shelter at night for, it was just a winter shelter for our guests from October through April um, at a church, St. John's Church in Baltimore, which kind of has a history of uh social justice work. And so I did that and then was an organizer as well. So. Wow. That's, thank you for, thank you for telling the audience that. Now I read that you worked at Paul's places. That, is that true? Yes. Yeah, so I, um, I worked in Pigtown previously for a community development corporation uh, that was back when the Empowerment Zone money was around, and I was their first director. And within the first year and a half, we went from $100,000 worth of programming to almost a million. And that was workforce, substance abuse. There was This was all part of an Empowerment Zone program. So I don't want anybody to think I could raise a million dollars in a year because not. it was there. But it required so much work to get all of those programs up and stabilized. And so after about three and a half, four years, I was asked to go over to Pigtown to Paul's place, which is also in Pigtown. And we just, I was just a strategic um, planning consultant there. So yeah. So I used to, you know, I'm, I'm worked in Pigtown 20 years ago and now I'm back. It's all come full circle. It's great. So we're leading, you just led us into my next question, which is awesome. So a lot of my audience is from, not from Baltimore. And could you explain Pigtown? Tell us a little bit about Pigtown. Where is it located? Where does the name come from? Okay, well, um, so when the B&O Railroad is here, so if any of your guests have been to the B&O Railroad Museum, you're actually right on the border of Pigtown. Pigtown is just to the south or east of it. Um, and when the B&O Railroad would bring in pigs to, for slaughter, they would be run through the streets of Pigtown and where MLK is now was actually a neighborhood, 
um, and there were industrial slaughterhouses there. And so the pigs would be run through the streets and they would be taken down to the slaughterhouses for slaughter. So urban legend is also that being the industrious housewives that uh, Pigtown had, um, they would also steal the baby pigs through the basement windows because there were kitchens in the basement and that would be dinner. But the running of the pigs through the streets is how it got its name, Pigtown. And that's why we also do the pig races at our annual festival because it's kind of a, a fun celebration to the tradition and the heritage of the community. Wow, you just taught me something brand new. I've been living here for 15 years more so, and I've never heard of that story. And I never heard that you guys still do it, like a, like, a, like an annual race. I didn't even know about that. So that's why yeah, we have you we, on today. Yeah, we have um, the last two years, we've averaged between um, four and 6,000 attendees during the day. It's the Washington Boulevard's all closed down. We have a stage at one end, the pig race is at the other down by our brewery and Mob Town Ballroom. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge event. Okay. Now, what is your title at Down in Pigtown right now? What do you do down there to promote that area? I'm lucky enough to be the executive director of Pigtown Main Street. So similar to Regina at Hamilton Laurelville Main Street, we work with the businesses. We work to keep local businesses retained and also attract more. We've expanded our mission a little bit over the last few years to also work in the residential area. We work in partnership with another organization to reduce vacant housing, to rehab to affordable home ownership. Um, we also do, you know, just neighborhood beautification and beautification along the commercial corridor. We do promotions, we do events, we do signage, we do soup to nuts, really to make the commercial corridor, our pig town's front door, right? And gateway as attractive and meaningful as possible to people. And then we also work in the neighborhood with partner organizations, including like the community association to do neighborhood improvement and track down slum landlords, things like that. Now, I remember um, I had friends who lived in Pigtown and we used to go down there and visit them. And that was an upcoming area. And I, I want to mm -hmm. say about 10 or 12 years ago, they said this. Um, what has stopped the development down there? Or what happened? Or just was it always up and coming? Or was it just something? Is You know, I know other places take longer. But yeah. is there just so, something? Yeah, I mean, you know, what's strange is... Um, some people would describe our geographic location, right? So we're bounded by MLK, 295, Monroe Street, Pratt Street. Some people say, oh, that's like a community in isolation. I say it's insulated, which makes it really authentic and welcoming. You know, it's right close to everything. What's the history of Pigtown's been for about the last 25 years is it starts to come back and then something happens. So... The 2008 housing crisis hit Pigtown very, very hard because there was lots of people coming in to buy properties, to rehab them or to rent them, and then they just lost them in the housing market crash. And right now, I think we're on more solid, more of a solid foundation than we've ever been. So we have, you know, a 96% 
occupancy rate on our commercial strip. We opened 12 new businesses last year. Since 2017, the home ownership rate's been going up. And what's beautiful about, I think, what's happening is we're not displacing anybody. And, you know, our business strip very much meets the diverse needs of Pittown. Pittown is nearly 50-50 black and white, and it always has been. I mean, that's the history of it since the 40s. Um, And it's a community where folks live together on one block. You know, I mean, we all know this about Baltimore, right? You'll go into a neighborhood and there'll be one block where everybody looks the same. And then the next block, everybody looks the same. That's not true in Pigtown. And so on our, and our income levels are basically one third low income, one third middle-ish income, and one third middle-ish high income. So our business strip represents that, right? I mean, we have a, we have a family sneaker store with used quality sneakers all under, you know, 25, 30 bucks. And then we have, you know, more of boutiques and then we had, so it's a real mix, but we always want to make sure that the commercial strip, the businesses here meet the needs of the community. And our uh, Picktown Main Street, Washington Boulevard also serves uh, Berry Circle and Ridgely's Delight. So it's not only Picktown that we, we are there, the main commercial corridor for. Do you guys uh, try to attract University of Maryland, uh, professionals, because I know you guys are very close to University of Maryland. Um, I always think about the West Side, the University of Maryland, the hospitals everywhere. Do you guys try to attract uh, nurses, doctors, business professionals from that area to keep them in there? Yeah, we uh, we really have a great rental market for the resident students the, and the graduate students. And um, in the last about year and a half, we've been one of the top neighborhoods for the Live Where You Work program for University of Maryland. And that's everybody, you know, from nurses and to, you know, folks that may work in food service. So it's great because we have the housing stock and that can meet the needs of many people. And again, you know, we're, you know, from the community leaders to everybody who volunteers, you know, I, I really feel this neighborhood and what I'm told is dedicated to not displacing people, to really remain a mixed income, authentic kind of urban neighborhood where everybody can live, you know, peacefully, clean, safe. Now, how's the, um, how strong is the community association over in that area? Uh, Citizens of Pigtown is very strong. I actually, so, I mean, I've been an organizer for 30 years. Um, and I tell them this all the time that I think they're the most positive community association that I've worked with. Um, you know, all of us know that our community associations can go through these times where you're just sitting in a meeting and all you're listening to is complaints, right? And they kind of get stuck in this uh, in this situation where the community association always is just handling problems, right? On the defense, not proactive. And this community association, the leaders in this are, are much different. I mean, they're proactive. They have a community development committee. They have a communications committee. Um, they're really positive, very proactive. Um, yeah, I just, I think they're great. And they, and, um, you know, when, 
our organization alone, we have about 200 volunteers a year who turn out for events and such. So Pigtown's only 5,400 residents. <laughs> so it's got a really good um, involvement, level of involvement and such. So just over, I mean, we've talked about the community organization and community association, I'm sorry, and um, the neighborhood. What trials and tribulations have you ran into as far as with Big Town Main Street uh, attracting businesses or anything of nature or, or just trying to go against any stereotypes that you might have ran into mm-hmm. in the past and trying to have that just a clear message of what you're telling me right now? Well, um, one is I, I know that I look at everything with bright, rosy colored glasses. We still have our issues. Um but I, I think I also look at this neighborhood and work in this neighborhood as someone who was here 20 years ago when everything was boarded up, everything. And it was the second highest crime neighborhood in the city. Um, and now it'd be way down on the list. I mean, we have a couple drug corners. Um, we've had some crime, you know, although I'm always shocked that actually crime up in Northeast is higher than here. Not shocked, but surprised a little bit. Um, And so the issue becomes is the perception of crime versus the reality lives on, right? And it's so much higher. And people will still, sometimes I'll say I work in Pigtown. They're like, oh, you better be careful. I'm like, "Uh, no, actually, I'm safer here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I feel safe everywhere, though. I don't really buy in. I, I mean, I'm cautious, but. And then, so you, so you have a lot of people who have that stereotype still in their head, um, including, you know, you can do, and this has been my experience in any neighborhood, you can do as much work as possible. You can change, you can walk into a neighborhood and there can be a hundred ways it has changed. It's a hundred percent better. And there are still people who are going to live there or visit there or talk about it and say, nothing's happening. You know, you, you just, there's just people who will drain your energy and then there's people, you know, you just have to let go of that. And that I find very difficult to work with because I just, um, I want everybody to understand how hard everybody in here, you know, all the residents, the businesses are working to change this and how far it's come, you know? So that's frustrating to me. Okay. Well, you, I, from what I've noticed, you have very high energy and very positive. So you have a very positive outlook on things. So kudos to you on that from what, from what I've noticed from afar. Thank you. Uh, talk about um, the restaurants the, in Pigtown and the new brewery. Cause I, I've driven past there and there was a brewery and I was a little shocked. I was like, what is this over here? And um, tell us a little bit about it. What you guys got going on happening is it's very exciting. Yeah. So uh suspended brewery, is owned by a couple and they are not only brew phenomenal beer, they have a real social change philosophy. All their waste is donated to a pig sanctuary. Actually, we had those pigs down here in Pigtown for national pig day for the kids to pet. Um, But it's, it's a phenomenal brewery. It's also, we have a local artist here, Rodney Carroll, who's pretty well-known, famous in the art world. He has made, a lot of his sculpture is in the brewery. It's just a beautiful location. They do art shows. 
And I admit I am not a beer drinker. I don't like IPAs, craft beer is too heavy for me. And I'm not just saying this because I work here, but Suspended has really the only beer that I like that's brewed in Baltimore because um, they do some wheat versions. And then across the street from Suspended is Mobtown Ballroom, which is pretty well known, right? Yeah, for no Mobtown. Music. Mm-hmm. Um, so Suspended got 2018 Best Tap Award from um, Baltimore Magazine. And then in 2019, um, Old Major, which is a neighborhood tavern, bar and restaurant here in Picktown, got Best Neighborhood Bar. Um, and that's that's a really cool place. They have Caribbean food and great drinks. Also, uh, we have the Greener Kitchen, who won Best Lunch, Best Vegetarian, and we have Breaking Bread, who won Best Lunch. And then we have another Friends Grill that just opened, which are, is right on your walk to the stadium. Literally, you pass it if you park in Pigtown or live in Pigtown and go to the stadium. So they have great game day specials and such. And that's owned by... One of the owners is someone who grew up in Big Town. Um, so it's just this great, it's like a great local neighborhood bar. I mean, they all are. They're all great. But this one is, uh, it's just three guys who really just love owning this bar. It's great food. It's phenomenal. But they're all really good. Um, and then we have culinary architecture. We have some carryouts, things like that. So we have a diverse mix of restaurants I love I love hearing that. that you, I'm hungry right now. Thinking about some of the food you just mentioned. <laughs> wow, that sounds really really good. Um, so how um, I see you have photos with, like helping many businesses all over. Like I mean, I I see your Facebook page. I see the Pigtown Main Street page. You know, how did you reach out to all these networks? I know you've been there for 22 years working in the area, but how did you get these like networks up and going and believing in themselves? Just saying that this could happen. This all can work together. As far as like um, businesses coming in and things of that nature. Well, when I came back to Pigtown, it'll be two years, June 1st. Um, I really was lucky to come in with a great foundation at Pigtown Main Street. The previous director had set up a lot of projects that were ready for implementation. It... um, we had started with new signage and streetscaping. And so there was a foundation built here. The brewery had just opened culinary architecture, breaking bread, all who were winning awards and getting a lot of press. So I really had a great foundation to build on. And really it, it was really, there's this army of volunteers in Pigtown from the board and our committees to, you know, people who volunteer for events who really believe in this. So. I, you know, it was pretty easy to take all of that momentum and build it forward. Uh, I will say when I came in uh, back to Pigtown, so June 1st, 2018, uh, Holland's Market is under development. You know, I was researching that. That's just a few blocks away. And the whole Federal Hill area is developing around the stadiums. And I thought to myself, you know, we've got two years to put this commercial strip to fill it up, to get it occupied, to get people walking around, to build more of what was already starting to happen. We just had to accelerate it. So, and that was because, you know, it's great Holland's Market's getting rehabbed in Federal Hill and the stadiums. But if something didn't get, if we didn't accelerate quickly here, we were just going to get buried, you know, because of all the 
um, because everybody would have other choices or um, we just wouldn't, we wouldn't be seen, I guess, is the way to put it. So we, we really took a fast track approach. Um, and that's really because the foundation was here for us to do that. Now, um, how, oh, sorry. how close are you guys from the entertainment district, which they're trying to build over in that stadium area? I know they're trying to, was it Hammerjacks? Or I think it's coming back over there. Um, yeah. Nightclub. And I know it's close to Pigtown where they're looking, correct? Is it on the border of it? Yeah. So if you kind of, if you're staring down at a map of Baltimore, you're going to see M&T Stadium. And the entertainment district is kind of in between M&T and Oriole Park. And if you're staring down at a map and you look up to the north, that's Pigtown. So literally, you can live in Pigtown and be either anywhere between two to eight blocks away from it. Okay. Uh, you just I, Russell Street, basically. I knew it was coming, so I didn't know if it had to affect the real estate in that area or whatnot. With, uh, I think it's, yeah, we haven't seen too much of an impact yet. On the residential, um, it's it's a little bit slow going. You know, I think we'll see. Now, I know we're on, in uncharted waters with society and businesses right now. What are you hearing from your business owners in Pigtown right now as far as worried about reopening? And, you know, like I said, this is uncharted waters. What are you telling them? How's the dialogue? What resources are you using to help them out going forward in all this? Yeah, well, we, I mean, I have a phenomenal, I work with a phenomenal woman. My coworker um, has been researching every loan grant, some of which nobody's ever found or heard of before. And so we're doing direct, we always provide technical assistance to businesses, but now we are, you know, technical assistance in crisis management. Um, and so they're applying for loans and grants. Um, but I think what what's really amazing is that the business owners have also been very creative, very creative. Like you can read about Silva at Culinary Architecture. She's in the Baltimore Business Journal. You know, she switched up her business model to have grocery carry out. Um, you know, the bookstores went online and different things like that. So they are all trying very hard. We've been also working very hard to get a uh, rent reduction to negotiate with property owners for the businesses, you know, and our message. And if any property owners listening anywhere in Baltimore, you know, you've got to work with your tenant because nobody's coming in. Right. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a couple of years. So, you know, it's really, it's, it's whatever they need any time of day, but this, um, it's, yeah, I mean, local businesses, people kind of take them for granted, I feel like sometimes, but, you know, just think if you couldn't stop at Zeke's or you couldn't pick up, you know, a sandwich from Red Canoe or have a drink at Lauraville House or whatever, at Silver Queen or in Pig Town Stop at Old Major. I mean, if you value your neighborhood, you've got to support those local businesses because that is your gateway also to your neighborhood. If you have a lot of vacancies sitting there, nope, your housing values are going down. I mean, that you know, it's a bigger picture. We also have to keep in mind. Gotcha. If you could look at your younger self, what would your younger <laughs> self say about your life now? What would, what, would, what would they say? Yourself, what would you say? Say about what I'm doing now or yeah. something? Yeah, your, your younger self. What would your younger self say right now looking at what you got going on right now? 
as far as <laughs> what they was your mm-hmm. your your teenage years. You're right. You're 2019 years old. What would you say? To, what would you what, what would you say now? Like how would, would there would there be anything you would change to say differently or? I mean, there would definitely be things I would <laughs> did younger. Uh, you know, it's I. <sighs> It's just like writing a resume, right? Because it's kind of hard to talk positive about yourself. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think my younger self in that little small town in Western New York would have been really surprised that I stayed and just kind of conquered. You know, my brother and I are the only ones who left that area in New York. We're the only ones, and so. Um, you know, I think I think my younger self would have been surprised and also surprised that I just found my passion here. I mean, I just really found what intuitively I love and feels like exactly what I should be doing. I probably would say do more, you know? <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right, so here comes the fun part. Here comes the fun part. We're, you've, we've got all, all the hard questions, okay? So okay. tell the audience about the dancing pig the Ah. dancing pig let's talk let's let's lighten it up here because you did something that was amazing that reached out to the baltimore sun um local baltimore newspaper uh caught like wildfire people on facebook were requesting left and right for you to come in their neighborhood because of the positive things you were doing um i want to say this is during the everyone everybody was locked down we nobody could go out the house during this pandemic and you were doing something very positive that brightened up the spirits of a lot of people and throughout Baltimore and communities. How did this happen? Tell us, the audience, a little bit about this because I think this was amazing and it cheered up my son. And I appreciate what you because he wanted to run up to you and hug you, but um, th- we had to hold him back. But just give us a story about where did the, where did this come from? Where did this thought of the pig? Just curious. So you know the, that costume is the Pigtown mascot. And, uh, you know, we started this whole thing, Pigtown News, where we're filming and making these funny videos to just make people smile and bring a positive attention. But, you know, uh, the Easter Bunny dancing with the pig was is my ride and die best friend, Irene, for anything fun and crazy. So I don't know. I was just like, Irene, you had the Easter Bunny costume on delivering Easter baskets. I got the pig costume let's just go dance and make people happy. Like, let's go, let's go show little kids, give them a distraction. You know, I was reading all this stuff from friends that the kids were driving them crazy or they were bored or they were seeing, the other thing is that they were seeing people with masks on and they were scared. So that's why the pig wore a mask in the second round. I I don't know, Aaron, that's just the kind of stuff Irene and I do. Like we just will think of an idea and we just go. Like we don't even, I don't know. It was great. I suggest to anyone, get a huge costume, cover your face, big old head of some time and go dance for children. It's a great way to make you happy during this time. And tell us what the hell is the reception you get to receive from like from families and community members. What did they say to you after, after. Oh my gosh. Um, They were all so grateful. I mean, I think the, the second time we did it, we, you know, we shared that people could give us their address and we would come. And I think we had, I don't know, over around 21, 22 addresses we went to. Blocks, though. So it'd be whole families. And 
It was just great. I mean, everybody was very appreciative and and happy to see us. And, you know, it was also around Easter. So the Easter bunny and the pig were there. Um, we'll probably do it again soon. Those costumes are extremely hot. So uh, <laughs> I get it. I was uh, Santa Claus at the book, children's bookstore this past uh, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. You heard it. I totally get it. I totally get it. All right. Rapid fire now. What, okay. ins- what inspires you every day? Besides getting Trump out of office, hope I can be political. Um, <laughs> probably just doing better than the day before. Okay. Your favorite author? Oh, that's a toughie. Oh my God, depending on the day. So my two go-tos are always Toni Morrison and Forrester. Okay. Your favorite musician? It could be a band, it could be a... Hands down, Johnny Cash. Burn, burn, burn. (laughs) Ring of fire. (laughs) Best crab cake in Baltimore? Coco's, by far. Best brunch in Baltimore? So I heard you ask this on other ones. You know, I'm not a brunch person. I really don't do brunch. But if I was going to, I love Lost in the 50s for breakfast. Um, And probably I would do Silver Queens. Okay. Because Silver Silver Queen is one of my top, like, five restaurants. Okay. All right. Flats or drums for chicken wings? Okay, so I'm from Buffalo, so both. Okay. Go ahead. I don't. I, I really both blue cheese or ranch. Oh my God. What is ranch with wings? The other thing is I do not judge Buffalo wings. I don't even order them down here. So my favorite wings are actually breaking bread, sticky wings. And if you have never had them, you have to try them. They've won so many awards. They're amazing. Where is this located? Where's it located? Right here in Pigtown. And it's like okay. a, uh, a, a, Korean spicy sweet. It's really hard to describe, but it is the best thing. They're okay. so you got me hungry now. Things I order outside of uh, Buffalo. Your favorite city to visit? Favorite city in the U.S. San Francisco, and I haven't traveled that much internationally. But what I have, I would say Berlin. Nice. So you said favorite local beer. So you don't drink beer, you see that, right? So okay, No, but I love wheat beer. Wheat beer from Suspended. Any type of wheat beer that they brew, I really like. And I did try Union's Mountain Girl, and I like that. Okay. What is the best advice you have ever received? Uh, so my grandma always told me when I had my babies – she said, um, when you hug your children, never let go first. Nice. I like that. Give us your contact info for a pig town. Like what can we, where can we look on in social media? Cause, uh, you know, a lot of, half my listeners only do Instagram. <laughs> the other half do Twitter. Mm-hmm. Other half do Facebook. Where can we find all those social we can post so we can promote main street pig town and follow what you guys have going on so we can support you. You the businesses in that area also. Great. Yeah, we share, we promote all of our businesses and things like that. So Pigtown Main Street, if you just search us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I will tell you that our Twitter game is not as strong as it should be. Our lovely uh, 
fellow from the University of Baltimore is working on that. It's just hard to keep up with it all. Um, you know, our Facebook is about 5,000 followers. So we just tend to do a lot more on there um, just because you can. But our Instagram, we're on Instagram just as regularly. Um, Twitter, we're a little bit less. So I admit that. Sorry, we're working on it. No, it's funny. I just did an interview with a young lady who runs a media media company and she does it called Millennial Marketing. And we talked mm-hmm. about this and basically a lot of her clients are businesses in Aberdeen, uh, sorry, Bel Air. And what they do is they, it's, unfortunate, it's not unfortunately, but Facebook is still the top marketing spot, still is. Um, she doesn't use it as much, but it still is one of the best ones out there. And she teaches classes on marketing one-on-one for like $20 online. And I recommend hmm. anybody. It's, it's really cool. And she's helped out um, Jean from Function. And she actually helped me out a little bit too with just learning a little bit more about understanding social media a little bit better to understand how to market and oh, all things. So please, it's always... Please send me contact information. No, no doubt. Her episode's coming out very soon. Great. Okay. But uh, I mean, what would you... Final words. What do you want to say to promote Pigtown Main Street and, you know, really just wrap everything up in a beautiful bow. You know, come visit us. Come spend a Friday night here. Come dancing at Mob Town. Have a drink at Suspended Brewery. Come down, try a restaurant. Shop at the bookstore. I mean, if you're not into the drinking and the dancing, we have a great bookstore and also Scrap Be More, which is an upscale art store. So, you know, for creatives, there's lots here. You know, just give it a try. Like, turn off MLK and come in. <laughs> or if you're in the county, come in 295 or 95 and check us out. If you go to a ball game, come here first. Um, you know, it's just a great little authentic neighborhood. Well, Miss Kim, I appreciate you stepping into No Picks of a Dark podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure just listening to all these beautiful stories and educating myself and all my listeners about Pigtown, which has blown my mind. Now I'm very inspired. Once all this craziness ends, I would love to come down and just check it out and, you know, have some wings now. I'm a wing guy. So I'm definitely interested to come and checking things out. And, and I really appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule. I know things are pretty busy and hectic very bad right now. And I, again, I appreciate everything that you've said today. All right. Thank you. Thank love, you. Peace and happiest folks. Have a good day. Bye.